Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. on the things we say i'm sheldon and i'm nate we're glad to be back here again yes our favorite little hobby yes which we have done more often than you have heard yeah we just keep forgetting to submit one (laughs) we post these as we get to them yeah you may hear this one before the last one for all i know i don't know yeah um we have been at it over four years now yeah which is crazy it's great yeah it is great it's like a whole it's like a a whole nother lifetime ago when we started it yeah um it is i was actually reflecting on this fact the other day that you know initially obviously we kind of got to know each other by doing the podcast mm because we knew each other a little but this is really how we became friends right and now hear two people become friends yes you can listen to our podcast in the early stages but i would say now we've kind of done this thing where it's like we're friends first and then just do this when we want to as opposed to the other way around. Right. It's been an interesting progression. Now there's enough overlap that we don't need this, but you guys do. Yes, you do need this. People, we the people need this and you we need, you we need will this in your life. We will give you what you need. Maybe not what you want, but what you need. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So it what, likes the podcast. It likes the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or it has to listen to the first episode all over again. <laughs> On repeat. With the buzzing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Did you know? (laughs) I'm about to find out. That the first guy that invented the stocks, the, the, I guess you would call it a torture device, the stocks. Yes. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. He was also the first one put in the stocks. Oh, come on. Because he charged too much for his invention. Oh, that better be true because that makes me I so told Nate, happy. These, this, did you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I'm, I'm not sure if it's true because I only marginally researched this. Also, <laughs> did you know that poetically the inventor of the Segway died on his invention? I was just going to ask if that was if that was one of, that was true or not. I couldn't remember. Yeah. The guy yeah. who I, I'm pretty sure the guy who invented the stocks was put in them because he charged too much for his invention. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Oh man, that's that that pleases me. I really hope that's true. The yeah. irony of that is just beautiful. <coughs> and it's <coughs> oh, it's also the jeez. <coughs> oh, you all right? COVID. <laughs> <laughs> No COVID. No, it's done. Um, there you it go. was it was water. You got it. It's also the proper use of stocks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I know it was used as like sentencing and whatever for something that you couldn't be thrown in jail. Yeah, not quite but bad you enough. Could be at least publicly ridiculed. Yeah, I think people that that would have been the proper punishment for like Martin Scarelli. 
<laughs> you charged way too much for this medication. Now what we're going to do is we're, we're going to line up the all the people who <laughs> you charged too much and they get to throw rotten vegetables. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. That's kind of amazing. You know, I've, I've often wondered, man, this is this would be a really controversial hot take. Maybe I shouldn't say this. I'm going to consider my thoughts before I say this. This is a big one. I might I might leave it alone. Okay. But yeah, I there are certain there are certain public humiliation punishments that I think would do society good if they still existed. Hmm. Now, I'm not talking about like the cruel unusual like let's do a public, you know, drawing and quartering or public hangings or canings. those kind of thing canings. Yeah, I don't I'm not I'm not saying that like the torturous ones. But there are certain things where I'm like, you know, we're going to make you stand in the in the town square with a sign that says what you did for X amount of hours a day until your sentence is oh, done I, or whatever. I think like there's those still kinds judges of that do that. Yeah, I'm all about that. Like that's there's there's that's one of those things where I, I, I've I've been greatly opposed in the church to this idea of like, oh, you know, there should be no shame. There should be no shame. It's like, yes, I get that. No longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ. But there are shameful things like just because we're not supposed to have shame. If we have not dealt with that thing, like there there is still shame like it's it's there. It is a contractual no shame. It is not a well, shame is not a tool of the church no. because it's not. It doesn't have currency in the kingdom of heaven. Right. So, but that's not to say that shame can't be a tool of the state. Yes. I mean, that was one of the primary things that happened to Jesus on the cross. It was Mm -hmm. part of the cross. Right. That it was shameful. So much so that Roman society didn't even speak of it much. Right. You don't, it was, the cross had shame attached to it. Yes. It's a tool, it's a tool of the state. Yeah. It can be a tool of the state. Yes. It's not a tool of the kingdom. But yeah, there's certain things that though I feel like could make a comeback and it would be a positive thing for society. Yeah, I, I'm totally okay with splitting my view of the state's role and what it is allowed to do versus what the kingdom of heaven yes. and what how that operates. 100%. And that's why I'm okay with some things politically that I wouldn't be in my own personal life or in like say this should be allowed in the church by voting in a way okay for instance like um the laws that were on the books that that criminalized homosexuality yes i would be against those yes like that that would be some and it's it has nothing to do with whether or not i believe homosexuality is a sin right it is totally because i don't think that the government should have a place to go in and police right. private acts between two consenting adults right. in that manner and i've long been like, of that's the thing, not... like why is the state involved in marriage at all like that is <laughs> that's where i'm at with that it's like you shouldn't be involved in this at all well there 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 is biblical precedent for somebody that you could get married to without having the state sign off on it and that would be a concubine <laughs> <laughs> so i suppose if you wanted a concubine instead of a wife you could always do that <laughs> oh that's funny for reasons (laughs) (laughs) all right anyway on that note yeah so (laughs) one of the main things (laughs) we're dancing around so many topics so many there's so many things let's just dive right into it so i I wanted to talk about humility today one of the reasons (laughs) i was thinking about that is 
uh, I was thinking of the verse that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And it's quoted several times in the new Testament. Um, but the concept is that pride and humility take opposite poles. And, Mm -hmm. and so it kind of puts those two in like a, a black and white relation to each other. Mm -hmm. And I don't always think of it in those terms, like pride being the humility being the opposite of pride. Yeah. But I'm not sure whether or not that they should, they are opposites or they should be, but there's, they're, uh, put up against each other in the scripture where God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And in the church, a lot of times we're, we're, we talk about means of grace and how we encounter God's grace and where does it come from? And one of the things that attracts God's grace, it seems, is people having a humble spirit, Mm. uh, and evidencing humility brings the grace of God in some way that I can't really explain. Right. But I do know that I often hope that prideful people, that God will oppose them, yes. right? That there's some justice. Right. So uh, it does tap into God's sense of justice mm. in the situation of between people who are prideful and people who are humble. But what I was wondering is today in 2021, what mm. does humility look like? Because we know what pride looks like. And I think everybody's really good at calling out pride. But what does... Can you point at someone in your life and say that one, that person is humble? And if you can, what does that look like? You know, I even, but I even think that pride might be a little bit squirrely because I think we have substituted arrogance for pride. And I don't think they're always the same thing. Okay. But I think most people, when they would point to somebody and say, well, they're really prideful, that we, that it would be something that has to do with arrogance. Like they would point to okay. somebody who's very uh, boisterous or brags a lot or does these things. And I don't necessarily think that's, especially biblically, the kind of pride that is being spoken of. I think that's mostly just somebody who's a blowhard and generally kind of stupid. Right. Um, and I don't mean that in that they're unintelligent. I mean that to do that with yourself, to be the one person that's talking about yourself all the time, it's just generally foolish. It's, it's not helpful. It's not a good look for anybody. Um, so I think that if we're getting down to the biblical reality of it, I think pride and humility has everything to do with your relation to understanding your relationship to God. Okay. And I don't even mean a follower of Christ and not a follower of Christ, but realizing that to quote the, the priest from Rudy, there is a God and I'm not him. Yeah. That's that's one of my favorite basic theological tenets right there. And so so like an ascent to a spiritual truth, like yes, God is higher than me. I'm you know yes, I am I am less than rather than I am higher than God and I will decide. I'm right. the chief arbiter of right. truth. So one of the <laughs> this is how my brain goes. I was thinking this weekend through a number of things. I was thinking through like I want to become more dependent on God. Yes. And I want to become more dependent on him because I love what he does in my life. Yeah. And I'm not satisfied with the things that I do in my life. Right. And so if I want more of his things showing up and his results, then I need to do things his way and allow him to move through me. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I need to be more dependent on God and looking, looking to him, following him depending on him in, in a new way. That was yeah. just something going on in my heart. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, 
is and then i'm like i think that dependence on god results in humility that is one way that we can get to humility yeah. it's saying hey i didn't do this this thing that you see that i did that you liked or that you saw that okay say somebody has a good speaking gift or give, gives a good sermon okay so good sermons can be given by people who are good orators naturally that right. it comes from a natural gift uh, sometimes it's a spiritual gift and sometimes god gives you the words in the moment that you didn't have before and it connects with the with the audience that's in the room yeah because the spirit is doing something and because the people in the room were prepared for it and the speaker was prepared for it but whatever happened that connection that spark whatever was alive in that moment was only living in in the spiritual realm yeah and so that to to me for that to happen and for everybody to be like wow that was a, a real there was a connection there and they look to the speaker and say hey you did a great job or whatever he can literally say that wasn't me it was god yeah but thank you you know like right. but recognizing within yourself that wasn't me it was god right i desire those moments i desire that yeah. kind of thing to be at work rather than falling back on and depending on my natural gifts right and for me the way my brain was thinking okay this goes this is my progression and then i'm like okay what is is that humility is is the dependence on god and and when you said it's about your relationship with god biblically it's about your relationship to god is that just relying on him depending on him and then what happens i can't take credit for it because mm. it wasn't me at all it was him working through me yeah I, I yeah that's how my brain was going i wanted to just talk it out that's where no I'm it's and it's an interesting prospect because there there is a level to which we have responsibility for what we carry we have responsibility for yeah. the talent that god's given us um I, I do think there are clear situations, you know, you think about like Gideon or something like that, where God's like, I really want to prove that this is me and that you're not good at this. But like David was a great warrior. Joshua right. was a great warrior. Like that was not the norm for God. He would, he would in, imbue someone with a skill and then say, okay, now you're going to use this skill for me. And they did. There are some exceptions to that biblically. Right. And so, now, granted, even in the case of, you know, whether it was David, you know, David gave credit to God for the slaying of Goliath. You know, Joshua gave credit to God for, you know, every every place that they 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 plundered, everything that they did. Like, so there was that that realization that even if this is a talent that I have as a leader, this has come from God. Like, this is not yes. this is something that I'm stewarding. This still yeah. belongs to him. Um, oddly enough, something that Gideon did not do well uh, post this great battle, he he set up idols and did all kinds of weirdness yeah. after the fact that did not go well for him. Um, and I'm not saying that everything we would have to do would have to be spiritual. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a, right. That's saying that what happens naturally is bad and what spiritual is good. And right. Right. Like Gnosticism well, and, and all that. I'm well, not, I'm not necessarily saying that. Yeah. I'm saying like, depending on God, whether I'm, using my gifts in my natural way or the supernatural thing happens. I was just using those as different examples, but yeah. I don't want to press the example too far. I, I'm just saying like, I know, and I think this is probably more internal than 
anything else i know when i'm de- when i'm banking on me and yeah when i'm banking on god yeah like for sure i'm just gonna roll into this situation i'm gonna bet on myself right, right? and and i think athletes might be able to know this like when are you betting on yourself and when are you betting on your team yeah when are when are you and I don't know how that that line is really fine in team sports like I'm I'm banking on my team all of us together or I'm right. banking on myself well and I think I think that's one of the things that I've always struggled with with like a guy like LeBron for example right because when they do well it's his and when they don't do well it's the team and and he even implies that I mean he's quick to throw people under the bus and to my mind like that is not that's not leadership and that's a lack of humility LeBron is without a doubt one of the best basketball players, if not the best, that has ever touched a basketball overall player. Like, that's pretty much – he is a team when he goes to whatever team. Yeah. He could go to any team in the NBA and they would suddenly be contenders. There is not a single player that is playing the game now, and I would contest maybe not a single player ever that has had that kind of impact. No, and I don't think humility but, takes away from no, your work ethic. No, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like dude works his butt off. Like, he is yeah. in that sense. Like, he's always trying to bring something new to his game. But the way that he is with his team is, to me, the opposite of what humility would be. Um, now, again, I, 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 watching, I remember watching the 30, was it the 30 for 30? No, it wasn't. What was the, what was the, the documentary that they just did with Michael Jordan, the big one that was... Oh yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but all uh, something all something dance, yeah, the last dance or something like that. Mm, I feel like I'm getting it wrong. Final, it was I don't know, I don't remember, but either way, point in case was the greatest he showman. was he no, was and kidding. he was he was quick to. Michael was the kind of guy who would quick be quick to say, "Yeah, this was my fault tonight. Like this this loss was on me, you know, whatever." Kobe was much the same way with that, but one of the things that Michael talked about was like, "I wanted to win, yes, but I also wanted my teammates to win." Like, I wanted them to be a part of that win. It wasn't just about me winning. Like, I wanted them to have that, too. He's like, I wanted to win more than that, but that was also right. part of my motivation. Like, I wanted them to come along for it. So, we were just talking a little bit before we came down about players losing their pride in their team. You know yeah. what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I'm a professional, and even though we got beat by 40 points, I'm still going to be friends with that opposing team after the game. I'm going to yeah. exchange jerseys on the field after we yeah. just got beat by 40 points. And right. it's and some of the older players were saying this is ridiculous right this you you just got beat losing is unacceptable you need to have some pride in who you are and and in the game and all of that and when i look at the verse that says god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble i don't think he's just like all right these these guys that have pride in their team they're going down. Right. I, I'm going to no. take them down because that pride is right. evil. Well, and I think I think that's why it's to me there's there's a differentiation between what is biblical pride and what we look at culturally as pride. Right. I and I like what you said at the beginning where pride is just as hard to identify as true humility. Yeah. Yeah, and man, and that's one of the things that's tough too because I've even thought of that, you know, being being a musician and being, you know, doing what I do there's there is a sense of there's a sense of awe that people have attached to it not because yep. what i do is so great but because what i do is rare like many people love music few are able to truly express themselves through it right um and even if they are they don't have opportunity to or or they didn't have the 
the training to become a musician. Like it's, Oh, I wish I could have, but I just never. So it is, it's kind of this weird little pocket where a lot of people at least have daydream aspirations, but never actually step into. And in that sense, because people are so awed by it, I know that a lot of what people say to me in terms of what they like about what I do or what impresses them about what I do is not actually as impressive as they think it is. Right. Like I, I am very adequately aware of what my limitations are as a musician, uh, as a, as a, as a vocalist. Um, and I'm good at those things, but I'm very aware of my wheelhouse and where I belong in them. Um, and I would never really make an attempt to step outside of that because I'm, I'm aware of that. But yet there are people who think that I can do amazing things that I'm really not capable of. Yeah. Because again, what I do, there's a, there's a shroud, a little bit of mystery to it. Because again, it's one of those things you see, you understand, but you're not able to do uh, kind of like a plumber, a good plumber. You know? yeah. It's like we're well, an electrician and- that's really good, you know, but we don't think of those things. There's no glamour in those things. And so I think that part of humility is even having a real true understanding of your skill set, both to the positive and to the limitations. So yeah. like I, me going around saying, I'm not, I can't sing, I'm not a good music. Like, no, that's just lying. Like I am, I'm well aware I can sing. I do play well. I am a good worship leader. I understand that those things are realities, but I also understand my limitations. And it's interesting that you bring that up because in the same moment, something that you're doing, somebody could say, Oh, he's just being prideful. He thinks the spotlight's all on him and it's all about him and da, 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 da. And in that moment before the Lord, you could be completely humble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, and that's one of the things that's funny too. It's like, if you even <laughs> saw me, there's, there's a difference between me. I, th- this week was one of those weeks where like rehearsals just did not go well. Sound check right before service just did not go well. Like we were not jiving well together. Like nothing was really coming together. Nothing was working. Communication was funky. It wasn't, nobody was mad at each other and things like that, but like it just was not coming together. Yeah. And when those moments happen, I just hit a point well where in my brain I go, well, we've tried. We've done everything we know how to do. Thank God this does not rely on us. Right. And today was amazing. Like the worship, yeah. both services, Holy Spirit was so evident in everything that was going on. The band sounded great. Everything clicked together. It was just amazing. It was awesome. And I am well aware that we had nothing to do with that other than that we we chose to be in a place and to do a thing even though we knew eh, this wasn't so great but we're going to put forth everything we've got right now anyway and I'll even go so far as to say what I do <laughs> physically in those moments is totally different from like I don't rehearse the things I do on stage I don't know half of what I'm doing when I'm on stage I right. I, I look back at video of it and I'm like what was that like I don't yeah. remember doing that or what was that face yeah, I was sometimes making? I don't remember saying that like there's all kinds of stuff so <laughs> there is that there is that thing where it's like I know that the Holy Spirit does something that is uniquely him but I'm also aware of what I'm what I'm bringing to him as an offering and saying you know I'm laying this at your feet Right. Like the ability that I do have, the talent that I do have, the the effort that I can put in, I'm going to, I'm putting this down in front of you for you to do with what you want. And, uh, and so I think having a reasonable expectation and estimation of your skill sets and what God, what talent ha- God has blessed you with and using them well and stewarding right. them well is part of humility. Um, 
to not do that, I think, is the epitome of pride. It's like, well, I'm good enough to, I can phone in, I can do whatever. I'm like, no, like you're not stewarding what's been given to you in that sense. So I, I was also thinking about with humility, if I were to point to somebody that'd be like, oh, they're super humble. It would not be somebody that couldn't be prideful in what they do. Yeah. You know, like if somebody's just always turning in really crappy work and that's yeah. kind of what they're known for. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I don't consider them to be a humble person. Maybe lazy. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, just bad. Uncaring. At what they do. Yeah. yeah. Indifferent. Yeah. I'm like, uh, no, they're not humble because they have nothing to be super proud about. You yeah. know what I mean? If, if they're not, but the people that have the choice between humility and pride are the people that are producing something that people are giving praise to mm. or let that is worthy of some sort of praise and how much of that praise you keep for yourself and how much of it you you realize is due to god or you redistribute to god and like hey i realize i know who i am i know yeah. what you are i know what you do and this is all you yeah recognizing that every good and perfect gift comes from above and that everything that's good in me is a result of his grace. Right. Like I on my own, I'm going to wreck all of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, uh, I, f I forget who it was that told me once, like if you are in a position where people start giving you like honor or something, just basically honoring you for what you do. Yeah. It, you have to keep the same mode as when they're giving you criticism, taking that criticism and saying, Lord, I'm trying my best. I did a hundred percent and I'm getting criticized. I'm really getting a lot of this stuff. What do you think? Mm. You know, here you go. This, I'm going to give it to you because this is what I got back. Yeah. You know, and, and the same thing with praise The people are saying I did a great job or people are giving me accolades. Here you go. What do you think of it? Yeah. This is, this is what I got back from my offering. Yeah. I think that's. Yeah. 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 I, <laughs> It, it is just a tricky thing. I mean, I think there's, there's an element of humility where if you're looking at, if you're looking at Jesus as the model, which I would think you would want to, he said things that seemed arrogant yeah. and often, but he would relate to anybody. He had time for anybody. Right. There, there was nobody that was beneath him. There was no situation that was beyond him. Like he would sit and talk to you. He would do like. Well, one of the biggest slights against him is that he sat with people that nobody else would. Right. He touched people that you weren't allowed to touch. Right. And he wasted his time on children and beggars and yeah. things like that when he would have been much more efficient doing right. something else. And treating women like people. Right. You know, that kind of thing. And <laughs> Even and if it appeared scandalous. Right. And so there is that interesting dynamic where, it, again, it's not even about the words you say. It's more about what you actually do. Yes. It's the time you're willing to spend. It's the, it's the, cause lip service is, you know, it sounds great from anybody. Right. You know, but the thing that always amazes you, whether it's from a celebrity or a politician or a, or a, or a, you know, whatever athlete, it's like, oh, they were almost normal. Like that's the highest compliment any, yes. any celebrity gets. Oh, they were like a normal person. What does that even mean? Like I don't understand that. that they were really genuine. Yeah. They were really like down to earth. It's like, yeah, like, an, like a person. They were a person. They um, treated you like a person. But that is that seems to always be the highest compliment of anybody who's in a spotlight. And so 
There is. I think I think that that follows the model of Jesus. Like I, you know, don't don't avoid ordinary people. Like be be content in the in the company of anyone and everyone because you're just as ordinary. Uh, there is an element in Scripture about submitting before the Lord as an act of humility. Because in First Peter five five it says, "In the same way, those of you that are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Mm-hmm. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another." Yeah. So that's younger submitting to elders. Um, and, it, and it says, because God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. Mm-hmm. And the verse that says, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and yeah. pray, that's that's a sign of submission and saying, you know, submit mutual submission in, the, in a church context between elders and younger, right. but also people submitting to God. There, there is that. I, I'm not I'm not considering myself yeah. over you. I, I, I'm willing to take the I'm willing to take the lower role, the role yeah. of the servant. And I think Jesus' greatest act of one of his greatest acts of humility was washing the disciples' feet. Yeah. Where he wasn't scared to take the role of a servant. And right. they tried to stop him and said, No, no, this is beneath you. And he's yeah. like, No, I'm showing you guys what you need to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I and I think that's that's the if if I in thinking about it, I, I would say the epitome of humility in a relational sense overall is having a true view of your need for others. I can't do this on my own. I can't, you know, I can't walk alone. I need to have people around me. I need to be a part. I need to contribute to people. I need to yeah. Uh, take things from people and I don't mean forcibly I mean when somebody has something to say they're speaking into my life or they're calling me out on something I need to be willing to hear that that kind of relational interaction is what ultimately makes or breaks humility I think Yeah. and having a teachable spirit is a really big element of that if you think that you have it figured out if you're the smartest person in every, every room find a new room yeah find a new room (laughs) yeah how does that phrase go i don't remember i don't know but that's enough that that works yeah if if you're the smartest person in every room find a new room yes but yeah yeah, i i and and again i think that's one of the things that that the music world gets right by force Ah. and i've mentioned it before but like there's always somebody better than you yes like i have i have never met a musician I mean, they could be considered the highest form of whatever, the best at whatever. And they'll talk about, yeah, I remember seeing so-and-so play in this little jazz club, you know, back in the day. And it, it was just the most amazing thing. Ever. And I've always been chasing that. And I've never gotten it. I've never yeah. been able to do that. And, you know, you had guys like Miles Davis or you have guys like, you know, you know, Michael Jackson, who was always chasing uh, James Brown. Like that was his that was his like, oh, I saw huh. James Brown. Like that was my that my dude. And, and that everybody's got that person that no matter what level you hit, um, there's somebody better than you. There's somebody that you're aspiring to. Um, and so if that transferred into more walks of life, more areas of life for people, Mm -hmm. I think we'd be a lot better off. And you'd see that humility coming out because it's that realization that like somebody can, somebody can take me down in this, whether it's my, my own, you know, my job or my sense of, you know, how, who I am as a father, who I am as a, as a husband, you know, who I like anything like there is somebody who is doing this better than me. Yeah. Cause that is just true. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Everything I do in life, there's somebody who's doing it better. I may be killing it in every other area more than them, 
but maybe they're they're nailing fatherhood a lot better than I am, and yeah. I can learn in something that from one them. specialized area. Yeah, there's, yeah, that's exactly right. There's no area in which I would say I am the premier specialist at this. Yeah, yeah, which is why I struggle with experts. Yeah. Besides the fact that they're only touted out to prove whatever your point is on a broadcast. And they'll just put experts on you Because after that. all, you are paying them. Right. And the advertisers are paying you. So round really, we're going to hear what, round the and round it goes. what the advertisers yeah. want us to hear. I'm also, I, I tend to be, I tend to prickle at anybody who says they're an expert. <laughs> now I'm okay with somebody saying, hey, I know more than you. Because that's often true. But, but that's, the appeal to authority is a logical fallacy. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. But I, I do. I, I think that that understanding that, like, I am never going to be the pinnacle of anything. Yeah. I'm never going to be that is is a first step toward true humility. And that realization, that like, yeah. But that's also saying I'm not the standard. Right. 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 I'm not the standard. I'm not the one who sets the bar. Which brings us back to relationship to God. Yes. Again, not even relationship with God. Right. Although that matters. And relationship to God should eventually lead you to a relationship with him. Because when you truly understand your relationship to him, that's where the revelation of his grace really comes from. Is that realization yeah. that like he is who he is and I am this. And that's why Jesus talks in his way of talking about the upside down kingdom yeah says that if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven you have to become the servant of all yeah like there's no one who you won't serve if you want to be the greatest that would be a great book title if it doesn't exist What's Some, that? surely somebody's written that what the upside down kingdom that has to be I'm a book sure. title it has to be but if not it's a good one it's a good one Trademark. and it'd be a great way of talking about <laughs> humility you know yeah and again you you see that with the the issue of the you know what was it, the pharisee and and uh and the the tax collector yeah you know god have mercy on me a sinner and the other one listing all these great things they did and i'm like thank god i'm not like that that guy that tax collector and guy. and the funny thing is jesus did not attack either of their genuineness right he didn't say and this man was lying about all the great things he was doing <laughs> for the kingdom it was like no he did these and yes he did these I like that better. Yes. Because it's, again, it's a relate realizing your relationship to God. That is coming repentance. to grace. Yes. Yeah. Which is the catalyst for it. Uh, it's, it's something that's there, but it's, it's the response that has to be undertaken. Yeah. Uh, when, when confronted with grace. Yeah. The upside down kingdom is crazy. You can put in two pennies and you're giving more than the person who just, you know, backed up the Brinks truck. Yeah. And, you know, you can pray a short little prayer about, oh, God, forgive me of my sin. I'm a wretched sinner. Yeah. And that prayer is worth more than five Pharisees standing on the corner shouting right. out. Right. You know? And again, the beautiful thing about that was not even that he was a sinner, but that he was saying, I cannot fix this. Right. Again, relationship to God. Yep. He understood his really like, I can do nothing with this. And the other guy's like, look what I do for you all the time. You owe me. That's totally different. Sometimes when when people, and this is on a totally different subject, but sometimes when people talk about prayer and how how they struggle with prayer and that kind of thing, yeah. Some sometimes what I like to point at is look at the prayers that move God's hand in the Bible. <laughs> how many of them are longer than a paragraph? Yeah, <laughs> you know, 
And so if you're going to pray for healing and you feel like God wants to heal, you don't need a an entire textbook prayer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The prayers that move the hands of the hand of God often in scripture are less than a paragraph. They're often they're only several sentences. Yeah. If that. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorites. Jesus, I, half the time when he yeah. does his miracles, makes statements more than yeah. more than yeah. actual That's prayers. Still, one of my favorite prayers from him is, you know, Father, I know you, you know, you hear me. I know you always hear me. I'm like, good night. Like, do you understand the theological implications of something like Father, that? Father, you hear me. I know you always hear yeah. me. Yeah, and and I remember hearing, uh, having, you know, a friend of mine having his mind blown by A. W. Tozer, uh, in a in a book talking about somebody was talking about him it was the forward to the book and talking about how they went to prayer one time and Tozer's opening to his prayer was father we're in your presence and the guy said and all of a sudden it was like we were he's like it was like my eyes were open and I realized oh my goodness we are but just that simplicity of yeah. like acknowledging what you know to be true yes. and that simplicity of that again yes. that's a, we that's are a rabbit your, trail we are in your presence is a totally different statement than someone who's trying who's saying they're trying to usher in the presence right, of God. Right. And I and the older I get and the deeper into my relationship with God that I get, the less I like that phrase. Right. And the less I like <laughs> that that is that is an old covenant mm-hmm. assumption that no longer applies. Yeah. Uh our, it's our awareness that increases not his presence. Yes. He is he is with us. He is in us. Period. It is our awareness that needs to change. Yes. Anyway, that's a rabbit trail in and of itself. <laughs> Plenty to get off on there. But yeah. I, you know, if that's you and you're struggling with prayer, start reading the prayers that move the hand of God and yes. realize they're from the heart. They're simple. And they are a, often a, just a recognition of where you're at and where he's at. Yeah. And saying, you know what? I need you. Once again, relationship to God. Yes. understanding your relationship to yes. God and there's a freedom in that and there's a there's a liberation in that 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 you don't get from trying to earn your way into anything yes because again you will fail you you can't you can't it's it's just not possible but realizing that you're redeemed by his grace but not only that you're made worthy by his grace and that's the thing I think people try to avoid they don't want to think about they want to stay in the you know helpless worms such as I you know kind of it's like no yes you were but by God's grace now you are no longer right he has made you this he has created you and restored you to this all things new to this yeah and that again is is part of humility is saying yes I was unable I was unable to do these things I was unable to save myself these things but God has and now because of what he has done I am this I I can't claim this nature anymore yeah, because he has done this in me to be to continue to call yourself the thing that you were before is yeah. kind of an affront to what he's right. done right and we were just talking about that today that's one of the things and and again i 100 percent believe in these organizations like that's one of the things i struggle with with something like aa yeah i understand what they're doing by saying you know i'm an alcoholic i will always be an alcoholic because they want to remind themselves again one step and i go back there right. i get that but from a believer's perspective, I struggle with that because I'm like, no, if all things are made new, then all things are made new. Yeah. And that is included. And yes, but for the grace of God, back to that pit you go, 100%. But 
he has made all things new. But you can boldly say, I am a new creation. Yes. The old is gone, the yes. new is coming. And so again, that that is a, I know that's semantics in that case more than it is anything yeah. else. Um, but I have some people seen some people get caught up in that to the negative end. Right. Um, because tied up in that is the idea that I am always going to struggle with the thing that I currently struggle with yeah. until I die. Yeah, I and will there never is, be free. There is no deliverance in this side of heaven. And there's whole theological things wrapped up in that yeah. because it, it's whether or not you believe that you can, that the power, the power of the blood of Christ right. is enough right. to break even that Was chain. the cross enough? Yes. It either, we either believe it was or it either, wasn't. Yeah. Either you believe that it, it is powerful enough to break every chain or it's somehow limited to every chain except the one that you carry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And again, this all comes down to that issue of pride or humility. Yes. Um, in the truest sense. Again, I think it's a I think it's a word that gets thrown around way too much. You know, prideful and and even humble. I think they both get thrown around way too much because we throw them around completely separate from relationship to God. And I don't think you can separate them. Hmm. I don't think you can, because there's nothing more prideful than looking at the Creator of the universe and saying, "I don't need you." Yeah no matter what other thing you have in your life that you have a proper view of. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, my heart feels clear and uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I could just leave it there and be happy. Is there anything else that you uh No, I, I feel good it? about this. I found this yes. to be an energizing conversation, which this has been a long day. I yeah. Services. And then I was at my parents and then we took our tri- kids to trick or treating tonight. Which, for those of you who are offended by that, I'm sorry we you feel don't that care. way. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about your feelings. No. We had fun. No. 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 <laughs> My family doesn't trick or treat, so there you go. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I did, and then I didn't, and now we do with our kids. And then randomly today, my son was like, yeah, if we did trick or treating, the only part that I wish that we could do is the costumes. It's just fun. Dressing up is fun. It is cool. It is fun. I I really, I'm never going to do it. I'll admit right now, I'm never going to do it. I would love to go to like a con and dress up as something sometime, but I'll never do it. I'll never, because I don't have the time to create what I would want to create in order to do that. Like I, I don't have the time to invest no. in something like that. But one of these times I'm at least going to go and see how the other go half to lives. Con. Yeah. And just, just observe it. And hopefully run into Adam Savage. I'm really excited for all you people that are excited for those things. It <laughs> is nowhere near my wheelhouse. It is nothing that I care about. <laughs> we were just discussing this before we came down. The things I care about, I care about a lot. The other things I don't care about at all. Yeah. And that's way... To me, I, this is, again, this is a little tangent, but whatever. To me, it's all about narrative. Like, I love storytelling. I love all the... And to me, so much of that is even in what an object looks like, where it's been before. Like, the fact that that I, you know, whenever I've had a vintage instrument or whatever, I hold that thing and I think to myself, where have you been? What have you seen? Like, where did these dings come from? Where did this scratch come from? Like, who put this on? Is the person who did this still alive? Like, to what? Like, my brain goes in, in like, I want the narrative. Like, and, and I understand that something like that, you know, things that are old, things that have, 
have uh, history, like they're imbued with something that I will never be able to grasp. I'll never be able to fully understand because I have not lived the life that that thing has lived. I've not been in the but hands. Do you get that in the moment? Like when you scratch your guitar, you're like, hmm, somebody's going to look at this someday and wonder how that happened. I didn't used to, but the older I've gotten, yes. So I get that weirdly about places that I'm standing in. Totally, I'll be like, me too. I'll be in this place and I'm like, hmm, this could be the last time in my life that I set foot at this spot. Yeah. And I, I've had that randomly at a lot of different places and many of them that has been the last time that I've been at that spot. Yeah. And it's just, it's just weird. You get this feeling. It's like, hmm, this could be the last time in my life that I see this section of the world. Yeah. And I have that too, like being in a significant spot and standing on the spot. Like I remember the last time we went to DC standing on the spot where Martin Luther King gave his, I have a dream speech and they have it marked there. You know, it's just right. a real simple stamped into the, into the marble on the, on the steps. You know, it's, it's very interesting seeing it, you know, this looming monument to Lincoln and then just this little thing to kind of connect the dots between those two eras. Yeah. But I remember I, I, I stood there and everybody was just kind of, nobody was paying any attention to it in that moment. Right. It was like everybody was going to the memorial. They were going down. And I just had this moment where it's like, it's just me in that spot. And I remember just getting down on my knees and just putting a hand on it and just having that sense of like something incredibly significant happened here. Yes. And even though I was not alive to witness it in that moment, somehow I was witnessing it. Yeah. Like I was, and, and there was like, it was emotional. Like it was, and again, I've watched that speech a hundred times. I've passed that set, that place a bunch of times when I've gone to DC, like that was not a unique experience to see it, but there was a moment that happened there because I yeah. took a moment to understand and to experience what had happened there. The historical thing I don't get as often, like, Oh, in this spot and that spot and the other spot, only place that really hit me. And I was a kid was independence hall. Mm, I've still never been there. Yeah. I think we talked about this on the we podcast. Gotta, we so got to go sometime. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be solid. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Man, but yeah, it's, it's just funny. And again, that's one of the things I even think as a musician, like the, the guitars that I have right now in this moment, I'm literally stewarding them someday. They're going to belong to somebody else. Yeah. Like they're going to outlive me and their usefulness is going to outlive me. And that's a bizarre thing to think about. Um, when you have something that will be an heirloom thing that you'll pass on to other people. Hmm. It's very odd. Yeah. Anyway, I don't really know how we got there, but that's okay. It's a good wrap up. On that, we'll leave you guys with that. If you like this episode, go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. It helps a lot. Yeah. And um, just, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, the things we say at mail.com, uh, or you can reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook. Facebook is the things we say podcast. Yeah. So there we did go. have a Twitter at some point. Oh, we do. It's still, but we still post to it. Yeah. I, I just got off Twitter in November 2020. Yeah, I've been off it for a so, while now, too. There you go. We're probably not going to go back to that platform. Hmm. Just a cricket platform. Anyway, but yeah, thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.